Uh, well, good morning. Uh, my name is Hugo. Uh, uh, I help with the youth uh, along with my wife and with Sarah. Uh, that's kind of our ministry for uh, right now. Pastor Steve is not here today. He's traveling. Uh, so he asked me to step in. Um, so that either means, you know, it's uh, he probably listened to my first sermon and he liked it or uh, he believes in second chances, right? <laughs> never know. You never know. But today I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, vulnerability, like to be open to, to be uh, in that position. And that is a thing that God has been working uh, through me right now, to be open and willing to do not only his will and the things he has set before me, but also uh, what it is and what I need to work on things, right? And most of you probably associate this word with uh, some bad things being open to attack. Obviously, right now with the whole Israel and uh, what's going on over there, uh, we can see how they were kind of vulnerable in one side, you know, one day to the next. You just never know, right? We're not promised tomorrow. So while I address this topic, um, I do keep in mind, do keep in mind that uh, it won't be including everything uh, in, in this topic itself. I'll be kind of explaining on this and trying to be as, uh, as thorough as I could but it doesn't mean include everything that vulnerability means, all right? So our main passage for today is going to be uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Here in this passage, uh, Paul is explaining that God became flesh, right? Incarnation of, of God in a human body. Uh, this is unique to Christianity, if you guys didn't know. Uh, uh, it doesn't, this doesn't exist in any other religions that a God comes and becomes a human. Uh, so I'll try to explain that as well. Uh, here in, in a little context for the passage, uh, Paul is encouraging the Philippi, right, the Philippians, to be united, to be set, to set aside the differences and come as one, right? That's what Christ really wants for us, to be together as one, one community, one fellowship, one body. Uh, also to inform their, their duties as believers, right? Because once we accept Christ as the Lord and Savior, we have certain duties that we have to do, right? So... If we go to uh, Philippians, please, chapter 2, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. So it says, um, if, therefore, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, in any comfort of love, in, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill Ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem of other better than themselves. Look, other, look not every man on his own things, but every man also unto things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also uh, in Christ Jesus, who, in being form of God, thought uh, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And in being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Where therefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, right? So here, um, Paul is trying to explain these things. They wanna, he wants to unite 
the church at Philippi. There's some trouble, right? Um, no church is perfect. If you think this church is perfect, then you should probably leave because then you'll ruin it. So just so you know, it's okay. We're all sinners, right? We all have things, troubles, tribulations, weaknesses, right? Being vulnerable. So today I want to just focus on, on three things, and I'll expand on these three points. Is uh, what vulnerability is, uh, how we see it in the Bible, and how it helps us individually and as a community. Okay, so what is vulnerability? According to its definition, it means being susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm. It does not mean that you will suffer physical or emotional attack, but that you are in a position to receive this. Right? We usually associate this word with danger. We usually, if we, somebody tells you that, hey, you're vulnerable, that means somebody can come and do harm to you, right? It also has a negative connotation attached to it. Why? Because uh, it's associated, associated with weakness, right? And who wants to be weak, right? Almost no one, right? We, we talk about weaknesses. Nobody wants to talk about their weaknesses, right? Everybody can probably say, hey, I have like 10 things going for me. Okay, talk about your weaknesses now. And then they say like, well, I don't know. You know, it's hard to talk about him because it's it's a reality to to accept of the things that we're doing wrong or we're struggling with. Right. But it's also important that this is one of those things that will help us get closer with God. Right. Um, so if you look at the debates, usually going in uh, the politicians, government officials, when they get elected, when they have those debates to select the people, uh, the candidates, um, each one is really good at pointing the weaknesses of other people, right? Most of the time it's like, oh, this person did this, that person did this. Do you know this about this person? But they never said anything good about them or bad about themselves, right? It's always others, right? But it's always the bad things they're doing. So it's easy to point out others, right? But it's hard to accept your own weaknesses. So we should not be doing that, right? Um, well, we live in a post-culture of uh, honor and shame system. If you guys remember back in the day, reputation was everything. It's, it was a family. If your family was associated with robbery, with something of uh, bad nature, your whole family was associated with that. Your last name was that. That's why you see a lot of um, families, you know, businesses, that they say it's, it's they, that's what they do. They get associated with that, right? It's generation through generation. That's what it, what it was. But now we don't have that, right? We have more of an individual society where each person is their own thing. They can select their own things, and then that is not associated with their family. Uh, it's kind of separated now, okay? So, again, what does vulnerability mean? It means that you're exposed, that you're defenseless, that you're unarmed, that you're helpless, right? All these are synonyms to this. Um, now, with these words in mind, you might think, what is and what might not be, right? So um, being open to being changed by others, right? But, uh, we talked about, like, if somebody tells you your weakness, then that's being vulnerable, right? So that's a good thing, when people can point out your weaknesses and then help you build that. That's always good. What's not good, right? What is not vulnerability is maybe drivenness. You no, know? like when there's a lot of people that, you know, they're self-driven, they can do things on their own, but that in itself is bad because you're excluding others, because you're only thinking about yourself, because you want to get things done, but you believe only things get done because you have to do them, right? You're not thinking about others, how you can help others, how you can help others along the path. Uh, scornfulness, so when you mock people, right, when you belittle people, 
It might be funny at the beginning, right? Trying to like uh, break the ice, things like that. But it's really a, a thing where you gotta check what, where it's coming from, right? Why are you saying these things? Why are you belittling people? Do you wanna make them inferior because you feel, you wanna feel on top of everyone? Or is it because you're just joking, right? It's one of those things where there's a great line in between, but it's, it's, it's always kind of bad if, if you do it for yourself. And then self-consciousness as well, right? If you always think about yourself, if you always either play the victim or you're always the hero, then it's one of those things where you're just thinking about yourself, right? You're not being open to, to being vulnerable so others can really see that you're a human being, right? That you have weaknesses, you have strengths. But it's always one of those things where it, it's hard to not think about yourself, right? Most of the time that's how uh, people, researchers say like, hey, you always think about yourself. It's so easy to think about yourself, all the things, your needs first, your needs first. Especially with this society that we have now, right, about being an individual. It's like, it's all about me. Look within yourself for the key. This is what happens. If you're happy, then that's all that matters. And obviously that's all wrong, right? The Bible teaches us differently. Um, if you guys remember the principles of heaven, right, a lot of the Beatitudes and things like that in, uh, in the Sermon of the Mount, I'll go through some of them so you just could see how the upside kingdom, right, works. We call it upside down because it's so different from the world, right? It's so opposite of what the world tells us to do, what, how we should do things. Um, so if you want to be powerful, then you should be sacrificing, right? That's what the Bible tells us. We should be sacrificing for others, doing things for others. That's how we get power in the kingdom. If you want to be rich, then you give away your wealth, right? That's how we're helping others. They just, you want to be rich in, in the kingdom? That's what you do. Um, if you want to be happy, then you help others be happy, right? You think about others first. You don't think about yourself. That's how you make uh, happiness in you, right? A lot of uh, studies nowadays, they're kind of finding these things out. It's like, hey, if you're feeling depressed or you're not wanting to do something, then maybe you should try serving, right? Trying to help others. That will, that will bring you, if you see their happiness, that it's contagious and that will get you happy. Uh, to rule over others is to serve, right? And we see this from Jesus as well. He came not to uh, be served, but to serve others. And then to be glorious is to give up your glory, right? Just like Christ did. So he didn't came, and that's what the whole thing is, um, vulnerability. Philippians 2, 7, right? He came as a bond servant, right? The lowest type of servant. It's a slave. But he came to serve, to show us an example, to lead by example. His greatest strength, right, uh, Christ, was to become weak and save us, right? But cause, because human being, I mean, it's one of those things where we don't really know how it's happened, and I'm not here to explain how it happened because I don't know. But it's one of those things where it does help us understand, all right? So and we have his promise as well that he's coming back and that we have salvation in him, and none of that uh, other things matters, okay? So now with that out of the way, uh, we know what vulnerability is and what it's not. Uh, we'll see how it is. And we see it in the Bible. We'll start with the, the life of Jesus. Uh, so we'll take this example in uh, Ephesians 2, 7. It says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a bond servant, right? And being born in the likeness of men. So here Paul is trying to explain incarnation, right? We don't know exactly how it happens, how God becomes human. But we know that that is a form he uses to help others, right? To see God in the people of Israel to help them so we can learn from that. Here he reminds them, if you go a little bit before in Philippians, in uh, verse 1, we just read it. Uh, it says, if therefore 
be there for any consolation in Christ. Meaning that if you have received anything, right, by knowing Christ, by accepting Christ, then you should do these things because you believe in, in, in Him, in, in Jesus Christ. How He came to earth, right? How That's what Paul is kind of explaining here in, to the Philippians. It's like, hey, there's going to be divisions, yes. Believe it or not, guys, families fight. I don't know if you know that, but they, there's trouble in the families. It's, it's always a constant issue. But he's saying, hey, even in all these things, you know, be united with the main, same mind as Christ, right? That's what he's trying to convey. And he's using that example of incarnation to help him unite, right? Because there's division. We all have different beliefs in certain things, right? In what we call secondary things about Christ, like, hey, is, is this supposed to be like this? Is this how you do church? Is this how it's supposed to be? All these things. But this primary thing, this is a primary incarnation. We should all believe this. Right, as Christians, that God came as human, right? Jesus is, is uh, God, a deity. That's one of those key uh, beliefs that uh, sets us apart. Why, does we, why do we have to believe? Because it's fundamental and it helps us understand this, this scripture. Uh, I'll try to explain it a little bit through the scripture. If you turn to John chapter 1, verse 1, most of you probably know that verse, uh, the Gospel of John, verse 1. Then we'll read verse 1 and 2. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Right? So here, John is explaining the same thing that Paul is explaining to uh, the Philippians. It's like, hey, God was before, right? Everything. He is God. The Word, Logos. That, that's Jesus Christ. And He is God. He was in the beginning, right? So all these things are correlation to, the, to each other. That's how we see his incarnation. Um, in some other translations as well, in Philippians uh, 2.7, he also, uh, they, they put him at, uh, they translate it as nothing, right? Made himself of no reputation or to empty himself, right? Ekonesin is, is the Greek word. But if you think about this, right, how can one empty himself? How can God, being infinite, empty himself, right? It's one of those things where, well, if he lost his divinity as a human, like some people believe, then he, he wouldn't be God, right? Because then that, that's one of those things that if he was God from the beginning, he couldn't have lost this because if he did, he is not God anymore. It's one of those passive attributes, right? Like omnipresent, uh, um, omnipotent, having all that. He might have restricted using some of his uh, knowledge and things as God, but he was still God, right? It's one of those things. He's, his nature is still there, even if it wasn't manifested in, in some way, we could see. Um, but being empty, meaning he emptied himself, right? He gave it all for us. That's what he, they, he, Paul means here uh, for the purpose to save us. He had a plan for us, right? Since the beginning, we read this in Genesis at, right after the fall, that he has a plan to redeem us. And in some ways, we don't understand, right? Because he knows he's, he's in the past, he's in the future, and he's in the present. He's at all times, right? He's outside time itself. He has a plan for us, and he already knows what's going to happen, but he has that plan for us. And if you read the Bible from cover to cover, it's about that, right? It's about how we can get a relationship with God, how he has a plan for us, how there's going to be a heaven for us. That's the whole plan for us, to be redeemed. Um, we got to turn to uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, please. Uh, book of Romans, chapter 6, 
we know this, right? How can one be empty? Uh, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God being infinite, he took sin on himself, right? He became sin because the wages of sin is death, right? And that's what he came to redeem us from. But by doing that, he gave us that free gift, right? So just remember that, that even though it's infinite, in some ways we can really don't grasp things, right? How can God become human? That's already hard in itself to imagine how that happened. But just know that it happened and that he's there. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, right? If you believe Genesis 1-1, then you can believe the whole Bible. Um, and then if you guys, uh, we're going to expand a little bit more on this, on this topic on how empty and full, how it means, what, what it is. Have you guys um, thought about uh, gro going grocery shopping, right? You go get food so you can have at your house and you're hungry, right? You're empty. What happens? All oh, you start saying like, hey, I need this and oh, I want to eat this and I, win, I, I want this. And before you know it, you double your list because you were hungry. You were not paying attention, right? But if you're full, then you just go and do your list, right? And do the things you have to do. So same thing. I mean, Jesus came full, right? He was his God himself. So he emptied and by being empty, he was full. It's kind of those, one of those paradoxes where it's kind of hard to understand how it happened. But God being full, empty himself for us. And by doing that, he filled himself. Okay. Uh, if you guys remember the Beatitudes in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, uh, Sermon of the Mount. It says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Right. So being humble. That's what he's talking about. Being vulnerable. Being open to help others, to see others, to not forget about yourself, right? They will inherit the earth. That means that those are the attributes, right, that a Christian should have, being uh, meek, humble. And I'm not saying I'm always humble. Sometimes I, I am, sometimes I'm not, right? This is for me as well. Um, we all have circles of influences. Sometimes we have things at the house, you know, at our families. We have our work. We have those little extra activities, you know, like I coach for uh, – a soccer team for my son, and I have to be humble, right? They're five-year-olds. They're not going to understand all these things about the sport, and they're going to be running around and playing, right, and not paying attention. But just got to remember, hey, they got to learn something. I got to be patient. I got to be humble and think like them, okay? Um, now we should go to Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 18, talking about how we were being filled, right? If we empty ourselves, how we, we should be filled. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, Do not get drunk on wine, which lies debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? So here, Paul is encouraging the readers, right, to be like Christ. Same thing. To be careful how they live their lives. Right? We should not be just drinking wine and being drunken, but being filled with the Spirit. Right? That's reading His Word, talking about it, sharing uh, our testimony, um, having fellowship with each other, uh, all those things. But see, it's the same thing. It's like, are we, if we're empty, right, before knowing Christ, then we sh once we know Christ, we should be filled with the Spirit. But we should always be in this path of constantly emptying ourselves, right? Sharing, it says in the Word as well, that uh, river, the rivers of water should be overflowing from our, from our within, right? That's the same thing. We should be sharing the gospel at all times when we can, at work, our family. It's always a good time to share, right? We always 
should be looking to empty ourselves, right? Because the Spirit will fill us up. And since it's infinite, then it, it doesn't really matter, right? Because we'll never be empty because we're filled now. So remember, to be full is to empty ourselves, right? And to be empty, we need to be filled with the Spirit. All right. Um, we go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 2. All these are examples of how Christ, you know, uh, how we see uh, Christ in, in, um, in this vulnerability state and how he's filled and unfilled. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. It says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So here the prophet is describing the Savior, right? The Messiah. This is a, a famous uh, chapter how the Messiah was going to come. But if you think about God, right, we just sang about how we should be joyful and then all the attributes of God, how he's, um, he has a lot of majesty, glory, right, honor, and power. But yet he came as a servant, right? I mean, they didn't see that in him, right? If you saw Jesus, if he was alive today, you wouldn't see, you just think he was a normal person, right? But the more you get to know him, right, the more you're being vulnerable to, to him, then you'll start seeing his deity, right? All the miracles, the way he talked, the way he taught, all these things, right? So it's always a constant reminder of how, how he lived his life and how he affected others, okay? Um, and also he came here as, as a servant, obviously, to help us, uh, show us the way, right? To lead by example. Because it's one thing to say it and not do it, right? It's one of those things where you can't just say one thing and not do it, right? That's hypocrisy in itself. That's If we see that with God, then we shouldn't believe him, right? But that's, that's, that's what he's doing here. It was written by the prophet Isaiah, right? A long time before Christ uh, being born, but he was born. Then we see all these coming true, right? So it's this reality of how the Bible entangles with life and we see how that is true right because we can test it we can do all these things and and try to see okay is the bible real how does this work is this principle work or not right it's one of those tests we can do um does anybody uh saw the solar eclipse yesterday yeah it was fun right it's one of those things where like hey it's cool it's i mean obviously hopefully you didn't see it with your bare eyes all right because you'll be blind out but uh it's one of those things where it was cool but then that hopefully that make you wonder like Wow, like God created that, right? God created the sun, he created the earth, he created the moon, and all these things are in some type of order, right? He is a God of order. And then if you take it a, a step further, then you can say like, whoa, like well, there's galaxies, there's other planets out there, the vast infinite of time and space, like it's so big, right? And we just see a little fraction of it. And that's and the same thing with God, right? We know some things about him from the Bible, right? It's just enough to believe in him, of what he is and what, what he's doing. But yes, he's so much more, right? Because once we go to heaven, then we'll know all these things, right? We'll see him in his full glory. Um, now we can turn to uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 3. Romans chapter 15, verse 3. It says, uh, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult who have you uh, insult you have fallen on me. So Paul here explaining that we should be going uh, doing good to others. Why? Because Christ was our example, right? How many people mocked Jesus, right? How many people did 
horrible things, taught horrible things about Jesus when he was here on earth, and yet all those things didn't move him, right? He had a purpose. He, has a, he had a plan, right? He already knew all these things before, but even then, being weak in that weak vessel, right, as a human, that didn't stop him either. So just kind of remember that, like, hey, that didn't move him. In, in my eyes, I think that even pushed him a little more. It's like, hey, they don't know what they're doing, right? So I'm going to go die for them, and I'm going to redeem them, right? That's the type of love, unconditional love from God that we get. Always thinking about others. If we see the stories in the Gospels, it's, it's always thinking about others, right? It's always first when he comes into the scene, always looking to see who can help, who can heal, who can uh, preach, who can he teach to, right? Always looking about others, never about himself, right? That's the whole thing about being vulnerable is to be always thinking about others. Um, now we can turn to uh, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2. This, these are all the kind of attributes of Jesus, how we see his vulnerability and how uh, that can help us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, uh, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us that Jesus, he had joy, right? We just think about, hey, having joy in the house of the Lord. Why? Because he died for us, right? That should be always popping in our heads, always thinking about, hey, how he, did he redeem us through the cross, right? Uh, so in that weakness, he redeemed us. He saved us from internal damnation if we choose to believe, right? In his name and his resurrection. Because it, it's not only enough to believe that he died for us, but that he also resurrected from the grave, right? That's the whole deal that closes everything. That if he didn't resurrect it, then obviously none of this matters. So always think about those things about, okay, God, how did Jesus was weak and he used that weakness for his will okay and then um we can go to the uh, gospel of john uh, chapter 1 verse 14 here another example of how uh, jesus became uh flesh john uh, chapter 1 verse 14 it says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory and the glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, right? So same thing as almost as we read before, John 1, 1, uh, Genesis 1, 1, all these things about Christ, how he came as a weak vessel, right, as a human, because we're weak, guys. Eventually, you know, the more we age, the more we kind of realize that, right? When you're young, you're like, I can do anything, nothing can stop us. But the more you age, you're like, oh, man, that didn't hurt yesterday. What happened? I just, you know, woke up from the bed. So... Just remind us that, yes, we're weak, but yet in that weakness, God can use us, right? Being, being open to that. Um, A.W. Tozer uh, has a, a really good quote that, that I like about this, about truth. Um, how we think sometimes that we hear good things, right, about like, oh, this might be true. This sounds good, right, but is it true, right? It's one of those things where it's good to always come back to the Bible and verify all these things. It says, truth divorced from life is not truth in its biblical sense, but something else and something less, right? So nowadays, we have this truth that people believe that, hey, you can become whatever you want, right? If you want to be, if you're a male and then you want to be a female, then it's okay. You can be that, right? And obviously, we know that's not truth, right, from the biblical sense. So when we separate the truth, right, from God, from Jesus, because he said, he, I am the way, the truth, the life. Then 
it starts becoming something else, right? And something less. So even though the truth is what the world says it's true, it's not really if we compare it to the Bible, right? It's always one of those things like all these things we should believe right in the incarnation of, of, of Christ. We should believe that being weak, God can use us. All these things that are shown in the Bible, okay? Um, and now one last example for Jesus. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew 26, uh, verse 37 and 39. He's in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. And we see one of the uh, weaknesses there from uh, Christ, right? Because, yes, he was God, but even then he still had temptations and he was like us, right? We read that in Hebrews, he's, uh, he understands, right, how we think, how we act, how we feel, all these things. So it says, uh, Matthew 26, verse 37 and 39, And he took him with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it, po it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Right? So here we see Jesus like being weak in that last moment before he, of the things that were to come. The crucifixion, all the beatings he was going to suffer. And he was there asking, right? He's like, hey, if there's another way, please do it. But if it's not, be your will. Right? It's one of those things where Sometimes we don't know why we're experiencing situations, right? We're vulnerable, we're weak, in tribulations especially. We, we become weak, and the enemy uses that to kind of go in there and be like, hey, you're not what, who you thought you were, right? Our identity can be shaken if we do not really know who we belong to, right? It's always one of those things where uh, the youth has a lot of trouble right now because there's not only social media, but there's all these different ideas coming together as like, hey, all these options are available to you. Which one are you going to take, right? When we know this is the only viable option, right? To be, to be with God, to be vulnerable with him. And we also see his uh, attitude at the cross, right? He took the cross. He didn't never complain. We never hear that from the Gospels. He never complained when he was beating, right? He was silent. And because he was silent, they even beat him more, right? And then his resurrection as well. We saw how, how his resurrection, Mary went, and he didn't know him. And, and, and he didn't want to get touched because he said, hey, hey, my body, I haven't ascended yet, so don't, don't touch me. He was vulnerable, but he was still willing to help others, right, to talk, to teach, to always remember those things. Um, another example we have in the Bible, now those are some examples about Jesus, not inclusive on everything. There's more examples, but just only have so much time. Um, we see Joseph the dreamer, right? What would kids' ministry be without Joseph the dreamer, with Daniel, with Moses, right? All those good stories. So if you remember Joseph the dreamer, we read that in uh, Genesis 37. We start with him. Uh, he became vulnerable, how? Because he was sharing the dreams that God had given him, right? It's one of those things where at first, if you don't really know the Bible, it might be thinking like, hey, he's, he's prideful. He's, you know, he's saying his brothers are, are going to bow down to him. Like that's, that's prideful. But it's one of those things where you got to understand where he was coming from, right? He was the youngest one, right? So usually in, in, in that culture, the firstborn was the one that usually ruled over others, right? And him being the youngest, saying this to the other brothers, because they were 12, imagine what they, they would be feeling like, hey, hey, what, what's, what's going on with you, man, right? 
And this in chapter 37, he gets sold as a slave, right, by his brothers. So he's like, hey, oh, yeah, you, you think you're all this and you're going to rule us? Then we're going to kill you, right? And then the oldest brother, he's like, hey, hey, no, let's, let's spare his life. Let's, let's just sell him, right? And we'll get some money and then we'll put his uh, clothes in some blood and we'll just tell our father that he, he got killed by an animal, right? In Genesis 39, he found favor, right? He was already there being as a slave. He was in the palace. And then the, uh, one of the officials there saw him and, and told him, like, hey, like, he's a good guy. Looks like he's doing good work, right? Same thing. Being vulnerable didn't stop him from believing, right, to be having faith, to doing things for others. Because, I mean, remember all this, if this happened to you, I mean, you would probably be depressed. You'd probably be like, oh, God, why is this happening to me? I had this dream, and how is this going to fulfill, right? We don't, we don't really see the end. So sometimes we just dwell in that position of weakness, right, of being vulnerable, and we just stay there, right? But ha God has a plan for him. So in this same chapter, once he's at the, uh, at the palace with the Pharaoh, uh, the, par the Pharaoh's uh, wife wants to lay with him, right? It's, it's displayed here, and we read in this chapter that he's handsome and strong, right? And all the ladies usually go crazy for people like that. So it's kind of easy, but it's easy for him to just cave into that as well, right? He's already suffering this. He's a slave. So he could be saying, like, oh, what's, I'm already depressed. I'm already down. What, what's one more thing that goes wrong, right? But no, he, he upholds by his belief, right? He gets reminded, hey, God is good with me. So, and, you, and, and your husband has been good with, with, good with me, so why would I sin against him, right? Always remember, just because you're weak, doesn't, that, does, doesn't, that doesn't give you a license to sin, right? It's not an excuse. God is there with you all the time. In Genesis 40, he gets thrown to jail, right? So because of this, he's like, uh, it, the, the story gets twisted, and it happens like that. The world is not just, guys. It's going to happen. Things are going to go not your way, but God can still work on these things, okay? So here in the, in the prison, he starts interpreting dreams, right? How funny that God gave him a dream, and now he's in a position where he can help others interpret dreams, right? It's one of those things where everybody has a talent, has a gift, but without using it, then it serves no purpose, okay? So he's interpreting dreams. He gets uh, used. Um, he's being open to others as well. And then two years later, guys, two years later, he gets called in to the, uh, interpret the Pharaoh's dream, right? And, and the Pharaoh is so moved that he's like, hey, this guy is really wise. Like, I'm going to put him second in charge. And we start seeing how God is redeeming his life in some way, right? He's like, oh, wow, for once, you know, God is working for him, right? But sometimes we think that just because some bad things happen, that's not really what God had for us, right? But it's God has a plan for us. We can still learn things, especially in tribulation. That's where we really expose ourselves, right? Being vulnerable. God knows what to uproot, what to take away, right? And that's one of those positions where we got to be in. Uh, in Genesis 44, a little more after that, you know, it's already the, the seven years of uh, uh, not having good crops and everything, the drought. Uh, he helps his brothers and his family through those moments, right? So God was working through Joseph to help his family, right? Little did he know that it was going to come from that other place and help his family. And then in Genesis 45, God, Joseph declared, God sent me here. 
right? It's one of those things where we could say like, no, my brother sold me and that's why I'm in this position. He realized that God had a plan for him, right? That to redeem him, to help his family. So coming to that realization, right, that it's okay when it's dark, guys, and it's, but God has a plan. He has a purpose, okay? Um, now we can go to uh, Paul. I'm going to talk about briefly about him. Uh, we can go to Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 15 and 17. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 17. All right, so it says, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased, to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles, who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted by Cephas and stay with him 15 days. So here we see Paul kind of talking about, if you know the story a little bit about uh, how Paul got save a call he got blinded in damascus going to damascus to persecute the church got blinded him told him hey you're gonna be used for my purpose and the, the people were so confused that they wanted to kill him right so they had the, the scripture says that he had the gates surrounded every entrance every every way he could get out it was surrounded by people because they wanted to kill him so the disciples Kind of the apostles kind of help him. The people there like going through a basket. That's the story about how he got out with a basket. How he escapes, but and that particular scripture says he went to Jerusalem. But here Paul is explaining that he didn't immediately go to Jerusalem. It says he was three years in the desert, right? And does and he doesn't elaborate on what else happened. All he says is that God Himself, right? Jesus Himself taught him, and one of those things where you might kind of relate like. Well, Jesus was here three years, and he was with the, uh, uh, his ministry lasted three years. And um, the apostles were there, but Paul wasn't. But now he's three years in the desert. You know, it's kind of like, well, we don't know. But it's one of those things where you're like, well, maybe taught, Jesus taught him all these things that the apostles knew. You know, one of those things. But he was vulnerable, right? The whole thing here is that Paul was vulnerable. He accepted Christ. He's like, okay, what do I need to learn, right? Being vulnerable. I was like, okay. Uh, I have to learn all. We have all these three years to learn, and then obviously we read all these scriptures from him. Most of the New Testament is written uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit uh, by him. So, right, being vulnerable. Now we can go uh, to an example of Peter. We can go to Matthew chapter twelve. I mean, 12, uh, 14, verse uh, twenty-two. If you guys remember this story, is when Jesus tells them to cross the the little lake there, and there's. There's a storm, there's wind, right? And the apostles are scared. They're fearing for their lives. So we read uh, Matthew 14, verse 22. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you in the water, on the water, right? So same thing. Some of you might think that, oh, maybe Peter was boasting here. He's like, oh, I can do it. I can do this. But I mean, remember, we just read that they, they were in fear. A little bit before here, it says they were in fear, right? Because they called, hey, we saw a ghost. And Jesus says, no, don't, no, not fear, because it's me. So he was vulnerable, right? Peter was vulnerable here. He was saying, like, hey, if it's you, God, then help us. Call me to you, right? And that's our whole thing we should be doing as well. When we're in fear, we, we should be calling him, right? It's like, God, if you're near 
me in this situation. Call me to you. Call me so we can see these things. All right, being vulnerable. All right, now to move on the last point, uh, how does it help me or help us individually or as a community? First, individually, um, pride and ego are the enemy of humility and love, right? If you have prideful, then you won't be vulnerable, right? Because you want to portray this image, this thing, and close you and be like, hey, the, the less they know about me, the less they're going to think anything else about me. So let, let us forget that pride is bad, right? We should not be thinking about ourselves. Same thing as, as the whole principle of being vulnerable and to always move in, in humbleness and, and love and kindness, okay? Uh, we're going to go read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 26. Uh, I won't read the whole thing. I'm just going to expand on that. But here Paul is talking about the church, right, the body. But it's how it entices all the parts, right? He's relating all these parts about the church. Everybody has a part, a play to, to go over. So let us not forget, each one of you guys has a part to play, okay? If you're not serving, it doesn't mean we're looking for servants here. I'm just saying how you serve Christ, right, as the body. Don't forget, we're not just the body here. I mean, there's a, a bunch of churches here as well. We're all the body, right? So how are we relating to others? How are we helping each other? How are we helping that community, right? We have a part to play as an individual. God has given you a talent, right, a gift. And without you using that gift, you're robbing God. Okay, you sh God gave you that for a reason. If you say, oh, I'm not good at something, you don't know what your talent is, but I'll start serving. You know, you'll find out soon enough if you're good at cleaning or not. You'll find out soon enough if you can talk to people or not, right? But you won't do, it's like prayer, right? It's, has anybody bought a book about prayer? It's like how to pray. And don't really learn much from it, right? It's, you only learn by doing it, right? You you learn by prayer, to pray by praying, right? That's how God teaches you. Like the more you pray, the more you get to know it, the more you read the scriptures, like, okay, okay, I can, I can do this, I can do this, right? Same thing, a serving, right? Being vulnerable, being open to help others, right? Being that part of the body, bless you. So how can it help as a community? Well, I'll ask you this question. When was the last time you shared your testimony, right? It's one of those things where it can really convict us where, yeah, we come to church, we do all these things, but are we really sharing the gospel, right? And it doesn't mean that it has to be like with every single person that we meet, but God will open those windows, right, those doors, those people that he wants to reach and be like, hey, your testimony is yours. God gave you that for a reason, right? He redeemed, and nobody knows it more than you do, right? Well, probably God, but even then, that's God gave you that for a reason, to use it. Don't forget your testimony. It's a good tool to use, all right? When was the last time you hang out with someone, right? We usually hang out after here, after service. But what about outside of this, right? People invite people to eat, right? To have fellowship with you. I know we, we shared a meal with some of the people here and we got to know them a little more, right? And it's okay. We're all different. We're all built different. We have different beliefs. And it's okay. We're here as a community to help each other, okay? And then uh, one of those questions as well is, do you belong to a church, right? Not do you go to a church, but do you belong, right? What does belonging mean? Is that you know the people, you know the needs of some people, how you can help others, right? Do you belong here, right? Do you, do you feel like you are here for a reason, right? That's belonging, have a purpose. Do you have that? If not, then you should start asking questions, right? Ask people, it's like, hey, what do I need to do? What's the next step? Um, 
So obviously, uh, just kind of reminding, uh, being vulnerable displays lack of pride and ego, uh, serves a way to convey trust, right? If you're vulnerable with someone, someone will become trustful of you because you're like, well, they just told me this. Uh, am I open to them as well, right? Um, helps you connect with other humans, right, as a bridge that God uh, showed us. Um, another uh, example for you guys, I have a little surprise for you guys, is um, maybe you're thinking about how other ways to, uh, to help, right? It's, well, check under your seat. Uh, there's a little piece of paper under your seat. It's display there. Um, I just went to a little, uh, what you call, um, like a workshop to help people realize how bad we are with missionaries, how bad we are with sharing. Um, so in, in, in that little piece of paper, you'll have an ethnic, an ethnic group, right, an unreached people group. What do I mean by unreached? that there's no known uh, active missionary in that place or they don't have a Bible in their language, right? There's a lot of work to do still. So that's part of being vulnerable, right? It's not only just being here, but it's also, right, we can pray for them, right? We can always pray for them. So I'll just challenge you to learn more about those people group, what they are, where they are, what they're doing, how many Christians, believers are in that, if any. You know, so you can pray, so you can take up a prayer point that week and be like, okay, I'm going to pray for this, this group this week. Being vulnerable to that, right? Saying like, yes, we're here comfortable, you know, believing, we already believe the word, we have access to the word. Well, what about all that other people, right? What about the fulfillment to the Great Commission, right? We still got to think about them. We still got to do, we still got work to do, all right? Um, Christianity, guys, is a multifaceted experience, right? There's a lot of points, a lot of things we can learn from this, uh, religion, lifestyle. Uh, but we do not follow the world, right? We do not follow the ways of the world. We are opposite with them. Uh, we, we read from Scripture that we should, uh, they should hate us in some ways, right? They're going to hate us. That's a promise. If they hated Jesus, then obviously they're going to hate us if we're doing his will. So it's okay to have enemies, guys. If you don't have enemies, then that should be a problem, Okay. Being vulnerable is a necessity quality to be a Christian, right? And I'm not saying you have to be open with everyone and just share your, your secrets to everyone, right? That's obviously bad as well because people can take advantage of that. And just don't forget, people hurt other people, right? And it's okay. We're here to help each other, rectify, talk about it, help each other up because there's going to be problems, guys. There's going to be, but there's a solution, right? We can help together in Christ, be united with Christ. Uh, we must be uh, truth seekers, seeking only the truth, and that truth is Jesus, right? So always remember about those things, about how being humble, being weak, how being brittle, how being attackable is a good thing, right? How we can, God can use those things. How being vulnerable um, can help us move forward the kingdom, right? So this week, uh, apart from this, uh, I just kind of challenge you as well to just share a secret with someone, maybe from here, maybe from somewhere else, to say like, hey, maybe I'm struggling with this, right? Because they might have that solution for you. Maybe they already went through it, right? If you guys already went through some uh, type of weakness, vulnerability point, then you can help others through that. That's why God liberated you from that, that weakness so you can help others saying like, hey, I went through that and there is a solution. There is a thing that goes after, right? And God is there with us. Don't forget about that. So um, before closing, I want to read First uh, Peter chapter two verse nine. First uh, Peter chapter two verse nine. 
this kind of encapsulates, I think, all this thing together nicely. It says, First uh, Peter chapter two verse nine says, "When it be reading from uh, the ISV translation, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people to be His very own, and to proclaim in the uh, the wonderful deeds of the one who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light." Right. So if you break this down, chosen people. Right. That doesn't mean it's chosen you. Right. People. It's a group. Right. It's no me, me, me. It's a group. You're all called for a purpose. Right. To be united as a body. And then a royal priesthood. Right. You're not a priest, but you're a priesthood. Right. You're part of that, of that promise that you should remain holy. Right. A holy nation. Right. You're called to that. Right. People together to be together. A people to be his very own, right? So God has called us. He redeemed us. And to proclaim the wonderful deeds of the one who called you out, right? Don't forget where you come from, guys. Where God got to, uh, to each and every single one of you when you were in the darkness, right? We read it in scripture as well that before, um, yet when we were yet sinners, he saved us. He loved us, right? He came for us. So let us not forget that we are people. We're a group. Right, so it's a little challenge um, for you guys. Look up those uh, any groups, the unreached people group. See what you can learn about it. I might ask some of you maybe next week if you learn anything. Um, maybe one of you might go to a mission trip. I mean, if you guys see the wall back there, there's all the missionaries. Uh, the church, this church uh, helps. We help. You can see from all over the world, right? And it it doesn't mean you have to go overseas to do a mission trip. There's work to be done here as well, right? There's reminding people here, like, hey, yeah, there is a God that loves you and that he cares for you, right? But are we being vulnerable to that, right? Are we sharing those things with others?